1: Hello, listeners. I hope you're doing well today. Thank you for choosing to listen to this new episode of my podcast, which is here to help you improve your English through regular listening practice. I'll give you a brief introduction to this episode in just a moment. But first of all, a quick note for the premium subscribers. Hello, premium Lepsters. I just wanted to let you know that I'm currently working on premium series 29. And this will be a way to review and consolidate language that came up in Luke's English podcast number 704, which was the recent episode of the Rick Thompson report. So P29 will all be about learning to speak English like my dad, including some analysis of how my dad uses English, and then a focus on broadening your vocabulary with a big list of target language for you to learn and use, including various verbs and their collocations, verb phrases, noun phrases, adjectives and adverbs, all used by Rick Thompson in that episode. I've picked out some of the language which I think is particularly useful and specific, and I'll be going through it all in detail using my particular set of teaching skills. Of course, there will be a PDF with pretty much a full transcript, full learning notes with all the language in context and definitions and examples, a memory test and listen and repeat pronunciation drills to help you practice saying all the target language in full sentences. So this is my tried and tested method for Luke's English Podcast Premium and Premium Series 29 episodes will be arriving soon. If you'd like to sign up to Luke's English Podcast Premium, and get all those episodes when they arrive, as well as all the other previous episodes of the premium podcast. Just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. Okay? Right. So let's move on to this free episode of the podcast. This is episode what is it, episode seven hundred and nine? Let me just confirm that. It's it's easy to lose count. Um, after Yes, it is it is episode 709. So this is episode 709, and my mum is on the podcast this time, which is great. If you don't know, her name is Jill Thompson, and well, she's my mum, of course. This is not an episode of Jill's Book Club, as you'll hear me mention in a moment, but maybe we could call this Jill's Film Club, because we will be talking about a well-known film that she watched recently. And also, it could be called an episode of Jill's Philosophy Club, because we talk too about philosophy, specifically Stoicism, which has its roots in ancient Greece. There's also some talk of the COVID-19 pandemic, which I expect you've realised, you've noticed, has affected everyone's lives over the last year or so. You, now, you might be wondering about the connection between being in lockdown the philosophy of stoicism and the film Groundhog Day. Uh, Groundhog Day is the film that we'll be talking about, as you'll see in the episode title. So you might be thinking, what's the connection between those things? Well, let's say that a lot of it is about how to look after your mental health during difficult times. Mental health, mental well-being, dealing with anxiety and so on. These are things that I think everyone struggles with to an extent. How about you? Um, How has this year been for you? I think that a lot of people are understandably worried about work, about family life, about the well-being of loved ones, about the future and about the state of the world in general. It can all get a bit overwhelming when you think about it too much. I'll say no more at this stage except this. Uh, The aim of this episode is just to talk about a subject that both my mum and I are interested in and have found useful when you consider those things, you know, the the state of the world and how we deal with that sort of mentally. Now, we don't claim to be experts on stoicism, but my mum in particular tries to apply some of its principles in her daily life and has and has found it to be helpful when things get a bit much. I'll let you discover more as you listen, and I hope that you can notice and pick up some useful bits of language for talking about this kind of thing. So, stick around and I'll talk to you again on the other side of this conversation. But now, let's get started properly. And here is the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of of the podcast. I hope you're doing all right today as you listen to this. And I hope you stick around and enjoy this new episode from start to finish. And I'm glad to say that my mum is back on the podcast today, so all the Jill Thompson fans should be happy. Uh, But this is not an episode of Jill's Book Club. Normally, these days with my mum, we do Jill's Book Club where, you know, we talk about a book. Uh, But this is not Jill's Book Club, even though we, we have... Uh, been planning to do one but the the reason well mum you're here why why is this not why is this not an episode of Jill's book club
0: because you didn't read the book that we were going to talk about
1: (laughs) yeah it's my fault I haven't I haven't read the book yet um I I got the audiobook version of it but I still haven't got round to listening to it all
0: well you'll enjoy it
1: yeah I really really must because I'm such a big fan of the Beatles Mm. so listeners we were going to listen we were going to talk about a book called One Two Three Four by Craig Brown, which is all about the Beatles. But the Beatle chat is going to have to wait for for another time, I am afraid.
0: It'll it'll wait.
1: Yeah, that's in the pipeline, listeners. I will, I will read the book. Okay, all right. I am a bad reader. I've got bad reading habits.
0: Well, so am I at the moment. Actually, I am finding reading very difficult.
1: That's not like you. It isn't. What's what's going on there?
0: Oh. Concentration is shot. Something to do with a pandemic, I think.
1: Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah. Makes it hard to focus on things normally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My brain is like a, I don't know, a flitting thing. You're on
1: Twitter, though, mum. I think this might be the effect. This could be the effects of social media. It could be. You're not wrong. Twitter, you know, social media is great and everything, but it's also terrible.
0: Yes, I know. But um, the people I follow are all really cool, <laughs> and I like <laughs> I like uh, interacting with them every day. Yeah. Um, so, but no, I know it's true. It's, it's my com- concentration is completely shot, and it's partly to do with that.
1: Hmm. Well, I hope you can concentrate for the next hour or so. So do I. As we talk to the uh, talk um, together, all right. Now, actually, today we're going to talk about things like. Well, you mentioned the pandemic. We're going to talk about things like how to be philosophical about the pandemic. I mean, Mm. how to kind of, what kind of uh, mental attitude we can have at times like this.
0: First of all, I think you need to decide what you mean by philosophical, used in that way. Mm -hmm. Because when you say, oh, I'm being philosophical about it, what do you think it means?
1: Well, I would say that we are, so... Yeah,
0: and that's philosophical with a small p.
1: Philosophical with a small p. I guess, listeners, we know what philosophy is. This is, you know, well, uh, it's probably worth defining it. Let's okay. Let's look at the two uses of the word philosophy or being yes. philosophical. All right, the first one is philosophy with a capital P.
0: Does it have a capital P? Uh, well, you see, all these terms over, you know, don't forget that philosophy first started back in ancient Greece. And, of course, a lot of uh, meanings and, uh, you know, things have been sort of changed or altered as the years have gone by. And philosophy with a capital P, because you tend to differentiate the modern sort of idea of a word with a small initial letter. And the going back to the original ancient Greek concept of the word, you put a capital letter. So in a moment, we'll probably come on to the difference between stoic and Stoic philosophy. Mm. So to be Stoic in the modern ter- in modern sense of the word, you use a small s. If you're talking about the philosophy of Stoicism, you use a capital S. Anyway, we'll come on to that.
1: Because the, the, the philosophy of Stoicism is actually the name of a school of thought.
0: Yes. And it's slightly different from what people tend to mean when they say, oh, she's very Stoical.
1: Right. You know, we'll we'll come on to that. We'll, hmm. Sorry, we'll come on to that in a second. But okay, philosophy we know is about you know, um, well thinking about it's 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 it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: easy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, defining philosophy is actually quite difficult, but it essentially, it, I mean, you know, people usually say it's like people thinking about like the meaning of life and stuff. What's it oh, all about? Yeah. But it's not necessarily trying to work out the meaning of life. Philosophy is just about, I guess, thinking of different ways of um, understanding the way that we live mm. and um, the way that we should think about mm. our lives and various schools of thought on how life should be lived in the best way.
0: And I, I mean, I asked you, because you started off by saying, are you philosophical about things and when when people say that what they tend to mean by that word is are you able to look at do you look at things logically and systematically you're able to to see things in the round
1: are you able to take a sort of an objective view yeah so okay yeah. this so listeners we mentioned two uses of the word philosophical one relates to specifically the academic uh, pursuit of philosophy, mm. right? The ancient Greeks and all that stuff.
0: Yes, yeah, so there's lots of different kinds of philosophy, of
1: course. Many different types of philosophy. Mm. I have done an episode, I did do an episode once about philosophy and I t- yeah. talked about all the different schools of thought. Mm. So listeners can refer back to that. So that's philosophy in the sort of ancient Greek sense and all that stuff and ethics and morality and and reason and logic and so on. Mm-hmm. But then, yes, there is this phrase that people use in common parlance which is being philosophical about it. For example, well, you know, you've got, I try to be philosophical about it, or you've got to be philosophical about it. For example, if you're talking to someone who is, I don't know, like they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, maybe they're ill. Mm. You know, oh, Dave's ill. It's, it's, it must be really hard for him. Yeah, but, you know, he's very good because he's very philosophical about it. Mm. So this means that he takes, uh, measured and maybe objective and reasonable yeah. um, approach to thinking about it that's right mm.
0: yeah very good
1: okay okay so in terms of the pandemic mum mm. in the UK certainly at the moment there's very strict lockdown in place still yeah this is maybe the third lockdown that that you've had
0: yes this is the worst one
1: this is the worst one. Um, can you just tell us about the lockdown? We're going to talk about being philosophical about the lockdown and the pandemic and stuff in a moment. But tell us about the this, this lockdown at the moment. Why is it the worst one?
0: Mainly, I think, because it's, it's happened in the winter and we've had some horrible weather and we haven't been able to. In the first lockdown, it wasn't so bad because it was springtime. We had beautiful weather. We could go in the garden. We could walk in the park comfortably. And, you know, it didn't feel too bad. But this time... I think because of all the mix up over Christmas, first of all, we were told that we could have Christmas and we could have family come to stay. And then at the last minute, Johnson said, no, sorry, I made a mistake. Oh, except he didn't. He never says he made a mistake. <laughs> he says, no, I've changed my mind. You can't meet together. And Christmas is cancelled. That was just a few days before Christmas. And that was a real blow for a lot of people because they were looking forward to seeing their family and, you know, doing the usual things. Um, and then, of course, it was followed by the winter and we, we we have had a tough winter with lots of snow and cold weather. And also because, you know, the, the number of deaths went up and it was all pretty grim and it's made it much more difficult. Everybody says it's much more difficult this time.
1: Mm, that's right. And you're still essentially stuck inside. You, you're not mm. allowed to mix with other
0: households. Can't you're see other re- people. That's the main thing. I mean, we just would love to see you know, James and and you and your little girl and all that. But of course, we haven't been able to for months and months. And it's it yeah. gets more and more difficult. But you know, what can you do? Not a lot.
1: You've got to be philosophical about it.
0: <laughs> you just got to put up with it and try and adopt a reasonable way of thinking about things, which is why we come on to this subject.
1: Yes. So being philosophical about it. So... Okay so we're we're actually going to talk about i guess philosophy in everyday life and how we can apply certain philosophical principles to dealing with things like the experience of living in lockdown and specifically certain kinds of philosophy i mean are you are, are you philosophical about it mum
0: well If you mean in terms of am I trying to look at it objectively and in the round and logically, I try to be. I'm not always, but I do try to be, which is why, um, I mean, I've been sort of vaguely interested in in this particular sort of philosophy, which we're going to talk about today, which is Stoic philosophy. I've been interested in it for quite a while. And it is very useful in this sort of circumstance. In fact, ancient philosophy has been adapted in modern times for use in um, CBT. Do you know what that is?
1: Cognitive behavioural therapy.
0: That's right. It's been adapted and used in that form of therapy very successfully, you know, for obvious reasons, because it, it, it helps you train your mind or helps you to use your mind in a certain way.
1: So we're talking now specifically about a certain type of philosophy, a certain mm. school of philosophical thought, which is called Stoicism. Stoicism.
0: -mm, That's right. Right. With a capital
1: S. With a capital S. But this again, we have several meanings of, or several uses of the word stoic and stoicism.
0: Well, that's why the ancient philosophy one has to have a capital S.
1: So the name of the the name of the uh, school of philosophical thought, which was sort of developed in ancient Greece, that is stoicism with a capital S. Yes. Because it's the name of it, literally the name of a school.
0: Well, I think the word comes from the fact, and I may be wrong here because I'm by no means an expert, but in the back of my mind, I think it was named, apparently they used to meet the people, Zeno was the man who started it all. And he and his followers used to meet in a, like a porch, some sort of building or porch or something, which is called a stoa. And so it became stoicism. I think that's right.
1: I've heard that they used to meet Rather than meeting in a sort of private space, they would meet in a sort of semi-public spot.
0: Well, that's why I think it was a porch because it was open. You know, it wasn't in a room. I don't know
1: a porch I, I guess I mean funny though this because I've dealt with the word porch before and have had discussions with my friends about what the difference between a porch mm. and a veranda mm. and um, a terrace and a balcony and stuff mm. but here we're talking about a porch in the ancient Greek sense uh, which would be I guess a, 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 a place with some columns and a roof over the top mm. but it's also sort of open Yes, so you can just wander in and out and I I heard that there's stoics first used to meet each other in a sort of a, a market area
0: well probably maybe the porch was in a market <laughs> i don't know luke
1: maybe it was a covered market under yeah. a porch but anyway <laughs> the, the 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 porch was called a stoa.
0: yeah i think so
1: okay so they got their name from the fact that from the place that from they the used place to meet. where
0: they met yeah
1: yeah okay Now, let's just look at these several meanings of Stoic and Stoicism in the Mm. same way that we have philosophy and being philosophical about Mm. things. Mm -hmm. So, um, several meanings. Now, the one that we find in the Oxford Advanced Learner's Dictionary, uh, which is a good dictionary for learners of English, the one that we find there is probably the more commonly used meaning of Stoic. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's it's a state of mind or an attitude which involves accepting hardship or pain. Yeah not complaining about difficult things and not really making a fuss.
0: Just putting up with things.
1: Yeah. It's a bit like the concept of the stiff upper lip. Yes. Which is often used to describe British people who keep their emotions under control. Yeah. This is actually very similar to being philosophical about it, I suppose. Mm, Yes. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Um, so the, let's just read the, the description, the definition from the Oxford Learner's Dictionary. Stoic, adjective, um, able to suffer pain or trouble without complaining or showing what you're feeling. For example, he never really shared his emotions, for example. yeah, He was always very stoic about his experiences of the war and his poor health in later life. Yeah, Something like that. Yes. Um, and, you know, this one makes me think of things like your yorkshire roots Mm. because is this not sort of something we associate with like you know um people the people who come from yorkshire they're very stoic and they don't complain mustn't grumble you know
0: yes um the same the sort of attitude that my dad had about um his sufferings during the war and all that sort of thing oh you know you don't talk about that you forget about that put it to the back of your mind just put up with it
1: yeah, just kind of put the... On one hand, this is positive because it's it just, you know, you can just move on and carry on. Yes, except but that on, you
0: don't, you see. You, you, mm-hmm. you, you put it to the back of your mind and you never deal with it. You never work it all out. You just try and suppress it. And that's not good.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not healthy to do that, yeah. to bottle
0: things up. That's right.
1: Then... Uh, um,
0: Stoicism,
1: the noun. And this is also from the dictionaries. Similar, yeah. you know, the re- the related meaning. Yes. Stoicism means the fact of not complaining or showing yeah. what you're feeling when you're suffering. Yes. For example, she endured her long illness with stoicism. Yes. She showed great stoicism through all the pain. Yeah. Right. But let's move on to the second one. This is the ancient philosophical movement with specific principles that we can live by. Yeah. And the word comes from a certain school of ancient Greek philosophy as we've said, mm-hmm. and there's more to it than just not complaining about things. Yes. And this is the the main topic of the episode. Let's explore stoicism uh-huh. and understand how we can apply these principles which were first defined by Greek philosophers over 200 Mm. uh, over over 2,000 years ago
0: so (laughs) yes more than that but never mind yeah 2,300 years ago how many anyway ancient Greece a long time ago
1: yeah Mm. so how can we apply what are these principles how can we apply these principles to our lives in order to perhaps live a bit better how can these principles help us to to look after our mental health during difficult times like for example during this awful pandemic that we're living through yeah now I'm still I'm still in in, in introduction mode here. Okay. Um, so we also are going to talk about a film mm-hmm. uh, and kind of use this film as a sort of case study to understand stoicism. Yeah. What's the film that we're going to reference?
0: Groundhog Day.
1: Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if in countries around the world this film is called Groundhog Day. I doubt it. I mean, I don't think, for example, that in Japan, it's called, you know, Groundhog Day. It's not going to be called Groundhog Day. Or in Spain, it'll have a different name. In France, it's probably got a different name, Mm. you know. So we need to just try and explain quickly the film so that people go, ah, I know which one you're talking about. Mm. So what's what's Groundhog Day all about?
0: Well, it's about this um, man played by, what's his name? Bill Murray. Bill Murray, who is a weatherman and a TV station, and he has to go to Punxsutawney, which is somewhere on the east coast of America, where they have this um, a tradition of... Um, they have a groundhog, which is kept in a cage. And when he... I don't really understand it. It's to do with predicting the weather, this poor animal. If he comes out and he a shadow is cast over him or something it means the winter's going to go on longer i don't know it actually yeah. Luke. but anyway the uh, phil the character's name thinks this is all a load of rubbish and he doesn't want to be there and he's very cynical and very cross and angry with everybody and very rude and all the rest of it and um he goes to bed at night in his rather cute little bed and breakfast place where he's staying and goes to sleep the next morning the alarm goes off and he realizes almost immediately that it's the same day and he's going to have to go through the whole thing all over again and that continues forever and ever you know for a long long time <laughs> each day he wakes up it's the same day and he has to relive it and um he has a terrible time in all sorts of ways until he suddenly realizes and I think um the main thing that makes him realize that he's got to learn from this, that it's some sort of test, is when, uh, the Andy McDowell character who he fancies, um, he's talking to her and he, exp- he tells her about it. He says, I've got to live the same day over and over again. It's a curse. And she says, well, I don't know. It might not be. It might be very useful and that sort of he he suddenly realizes ah yes maybe i could use this repeated day to learn about things and sort myself out and that's what he does using several stoic principles
1: the film is really interesting Mm. in the sense that um well, on one hand, it's just a romantic comedy with a with a with a quirky plot, which is like this this magical sort of plot where, yeah, he's stuck in some kind of time loop mm. and he has to repeat the same day over and over again.
0: And it's funny as well because you know the things that happen to him, you know they're going to happen after a while. And uh, yeah,
1: it's actually amazing. It's a really great film. Mm. It's it's funny, but it's also really profound. Mm. Um, there are moments of of. There are really some really touching moments, yeah. Like when he tries to save the life of an old, an old homeless man, yeah. And no matter what he does, the 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 man dies anyway. Mm. And you know he, he 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 you know gives him food, he takes him to a hospital, he tries to put you know to put him in a home, and no matter what he does, the guy always dies at the end of the day. <laughs> and that's yeah that's really sad and there are also some really funny moments Mm. and uh, where for example Phil uh, kidnaps the groundhog (laughs) and Bill Murray is driving a truck with the groundhog and
0: yeah that's ridiculous slapstick stuff yeah Bill Murray
1: is really funny Mm. um, and and yeah so um, so on one hand it's comedy light hearted uh, romantic comedy he's trying to win the heart of Mm. Andy McDowell Uh, But on the other hand, yes, it's sort of very profound and it sort of um, seems to explore all sorts of philosophical questions. You mentioned that he eventually succeeds by following Stoic principles, but the film is not... I don't think the the writer or the director of the film intentionally chose Stoic principles. I don't know if they were thinking specifically about Stoicism, but the film does um, allow us to... It's quite convenient in the sense that it it, it quite closely follows some Stoic principles. Mm. Okay. Also, I should point out that the the phrase, it's like Groundhog Day, Mm. this is another phrase that we do use sometimes.
0: Particularly now in the pandemic, every day does seem to be the same.
1: Yes. So... It's like Groundhog Day has mm. become a phrase, and it, it sums up the feeling that we have mm. when we seem to be living the same day over and over again. For example, I, I don't know if you've got some job, if you're doing some awful job, and uh, the job is the same every day. Like for example, I worked for a year in a shop, mm. and the days were just the same every day. You know, just customers coming in with the same questions, the same same routine. It was like Groundhog Day. Mm. You know, meaning it, it wasn't a very happy experience because it was just so repetitive. So, yeah, whenever your life seems to be going nowhere or when you're trapped or bored or frustrated or you have a feeling of, uh, of deja vu, like you've seen it before, a bit like living in lockdown, then you can say, oh, it's like Groundhog Day. Yes. Yep. Okay. So it's kind of ideal, really, for understanding all of this. Let's see. So, yes, you mentioned certain stoic values. Mm that Phil seems to learn and apply to his his life in order to uh, make it a success?
0: Well, it's, it's, it's kind of stoic principles, which are what he does, only he doesn't realise he's doing it. So the main one really is a thing called the dichotomy of control, where you have to accept in life that there are things you can control, and there are things that you can't control. Now this Thing the dichotomy of control is used in all sorts of um, used as a tool in all sorts of things these days, like in CBT, or I think it's used in Alcoholics Anonymous as well, that sort of thing. Because you have to realise that the outer world, things that happen, that in the outer world, or I don't know, all sorts of things aren't under your control. Most things aren't under your control. But the things that are under your control, you have to recognize what they are to begin with, and you only concentrate on those. Mm. And um, yes, you don't worry about, you don't catastrophize about all the things that can happen. Like, for example, I could get into a real state about the state of the world or the government or whatever, but I can't control that. I'm stuck with that. So what I have to do is control the way I think about it, the way I react to it. So if awful things happen, you can either go to pieces and say, it's the end of the world, I give up, or you change the way that you look at it and you deal with it in a different way.
1: Is that like the idea that um, it's not events which are significant, but the way that you react to events? Exactly. Yes. That, yeah, like there are certain external events which, yeah, you have no control over. Yeah. Like for example, the, you know, sadly, something like the death of a loved one. Yeah. Because ultimately everyone, you know, mm. uh, no one's immortal. Mm. And so that's kind of there's nothing you can do about that mm. that you know, loved ones will pass away. But the way that, the way that you can control to some extent the way that you respond to to those events.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: And and remembering that
0: Recognizing, recognizing the difference between the two things. You know, I can't affect that. No matter how much I worry or get upset, it's not going to change anything. So what can I change that will make me feel maybe not happier, but a bit more at ease?
1: Yeah. Did you mention
0: Alcoholics Anonymous? Yes, I think they use that, don't they?
1: They use it, but in the form of the serenity prayer, mm. which is... I mean they I think in Alcoholics Anonymous they do actually refer to God.
0: Yes they do. Yeah.
1: It doesn't it doesn't need to be God, it could be No referring to God works for some people. Mm. But anyway, it's essentially the serenity prayer is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference.
0: That's right. Yeah, that's very stoic. Very much part of stoic philosophy, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And there are other thing, other principles which are a bit more vague. And I have to say, I have to reiterate that I am by no means an expert. I'm just an interested someone who's interested in it. I have not studied it, and I don't understand it fully. You have to realize that. So, I may not be explaining it entirely correctly, but this is my understanding of it. And there's another another principle is the circles of relationship. You have to imagine yourself. In the middle of concentric circles going out, you're in the middle. And the next one, next circle along is your family, your children, and so on. The next one is other relations. Next one is friends. Next one is neighbors, people in the area. Next one is the city. Next one is the world. You get the idea. And in terms of the pandemic, what you have to try and do is concentrate all those bring them all closer together so that your extended, your extended family comes closer to your immediate family and the people in your neighborhood come closer and closer and closer and treat everybody in the same way as you treat your family in your mind you know the way you think about them. It's very helpful because you you don't you feel less isolated and you realize that millions of people are in a similar or even worse situation than you. You know, there's lots of people in a far worse situation than we are. So you have to realise that the interdependence of everybody, you're not on your own.
1: Yes. That is a thought that has sort of – that sometimes gives me some comfort. Yes. If I'm I'm experiencing something stressful, difficult or upsetting Mm. in my life, um, for example, I'm worried about certain issues or problems or Mm. personal things – It's always really reassuring to remember, oh, this is all totally normal. Yeah. Everyone else is like this too. Yeah. Maybe they don't give the impression. Maybe that's not the version of themselves that they present to the world. But I think everyone has the same kinds of concerns and doubts and worries and things like that. You know, sometimes, for example, I'll be having a sleepless night. And you know those nights where you can't sleep. I do. Yes. And your mind is going Mm. all over the place. And you know if if it's easy to start thinking that you've got a problem mm. and it's just you. Mm. And it doesn't have to be a, just a sleepless night, it could be any other kind of challenge really. Or if you if you compare yourself to others, if you look at other people and think I'm not as good as them. Mm. Everyone else is doing better than I am. What's wrong with me? Mm. It's really useful to remember, oh, everyone thinks like this too. Mm. Everyone is is thinking the same thing. Everyone's looking at each other and thinking, oh, I'm no good compared to everyone else. That's what we're all thinking. Mm. So, yeah, bringing all those circles together, bringing the sort of the outside world in the sense that you understand that we're all kind of the same to Mm. some extent is quite a reassuring thing to do.
0: Yes. Yes, we are part of common humanity. Yeah. Another one which is sort of similar is known as the view from above. So you have to imagine yourself in outer space looking down on the world and you realise that 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 again increases your realisation that we are an integral part of one big whole and that we should try and behave in a way which is good for that integral whole. You know, it's a very good way of looking at um, global warming and all that sort of thing is if you're out in outer space looking down, you realise what's happening, that can encourage you to look after your little bit of the world better, you know, or working towards maybe slowing down the warming of the world and determining that we're going to do something when we can to influence those in charge to, you know, be more responsible about the way they look after the world. And in fact, the pandemic has probably been quite good for global warming, because we haven't had anywhere near as much travel and, uh, you know, people haven't been using energy, they haven't been using petrol in the same way. And our carbon footprint has probably gone down quite a lot. Maybe there's some way we can, when it's all over, or if it ever is all over, when it's improved, we can do something to continue reducing our carbon footprint, you know, have have that sort of plan in mind.
1: Yeah, I guess people have learnt how to live their lives without travelling quite so much. Yes. Although I expect... That when we've got things under control a lot more and traveling suddenly mm. becomes an option again, I guess everyone's suddenly going to travel yes. so, like so yeah. much more. It's, everyone's going to be jumping on aeroplanes yeah, and probably and getting in their cars and doing mm. tons of travel? But maybe this has been a chance for people to yeah to to look at things and think, oh, you know, we can live in a slightly more sustainable way. Yes, it's given us some practice, I suppose. Yeah, that's
0: right. Maybe grow your own vegetables, just little things like that. Which make you feel as though you're doing something to contribute to the um, well-being of the world. Yeah, that idea
1: that you look down on the world from above and see it as one organism Mm. and that we're all part of it. Mm. So if you, for example, don't recycle, you just don't think about it very much, then you're kind of hurting yourself. Mm-hmm because you are part of the the whole thing like you know no one no one lives on their own no one no man is an island
0: it's that you're kind of coming on to another of these um principles which is called mm-hmm. and it's obviously a greek word so i'm probably mispronouncing it but it's i think it's oikiosis you ever come across that?
1: <laughs> no, never <laughs> had. It sounds like a disease.
0: Yeah, well, it's quite oh, the reverse. I've got a bit of oik- oikiosis. <laughs> well, that's what good. <laughs> what, what it actually refers to is the fact that um, looking after people, but in order to look after people and people's self, people's interest, you have to have self-interest. You have to look after yourself. You have to live um, with wisdom, justice, courage, and moderation, and look after yourself so that you can be in a position to look after other people. It's like when you're on the plane and then in the instructions, they say, um, you know, if you've got a child that you're looking after or it doesn't matter, you don't have to have a child, but you must always put your own. If you're in that horrible situation where the um, oxygen masks come down, you must always put your own mask on first before you help anyone else because you can't help anyone if you're not looking after yourself. Um, so that's, quite good if you're tempted just to overeat or drink too much or take drugs or, you know, do anything to try and take yourself out of this world because, you know, you just can't bear it. You've got to think, well, you know, I need to be in a position where I can help other people and contribute to the health of, you know, my surroundings. And you can't do that if you don't look after yourself.
1: And that idea of helping other people is actually very healthy too, because Mm. it suddenly gives you a sense of value. Yeah right and and i think it's very therapeutic to do things that are beneficial to others Mm. you know i've known people i've got sort of you know acquaintances and friends and stuff who um after maybe a couple of decades of working on their careers and focusing really hard on climbing the corporate ladder Mm. in various companies which let's be honest don't have great values Mm. you know those sorts of corporate environments (laughs) yeah and you're working for a company and you think why... Uh, eventually they think to themselves, why am I even doing this? And they feel bad that it's depressing mm. to be contributing to a to a sort of corporate environment like that. And I know several people who've made a change in their careers and have gone into something much more charitable, mm. setting up char- charitable foundations or working for charities. And they're so much happier yeah. as a result because they know that they are somehow... By by helping other people, they're kind of helping themselves. Mm. Um, so yeah, giving, helping, contributing—ultimately, these are nourishing things to do.
0: They are, yeah. Mm. And I think those are all the things that Phil in the film realizes without knowing that he's going through the Stoic principles. He realizes. Oh, and the you know, I was thinking when you were talking about the homeless man and how no matter what he does, the man always dies. Well, that's the dichotomy of control. You know, he can't affect the fact that the man, by the time he meets him, is already, you know, has terrible health and is already far gone. And no matter how much he tries to Improve his life and improve his fitness and everything. He's always going to die. I mean, he's going to die because he's old, for one thing. And he's going to die because the life he's lived up till now has not uh, been good for him. And so there's nothing Phil can do to stop him dying. Um, He just, uh, but what he does is good enough, really, because he looks after, he makes his last few hours more comfortable than they would have been otherwise so he, he
1: takes him he takes him to the local cafe gives him bowls of soup yeah, yes. and the guy's having a fantastic time yes yeah uh but then he still ends up passing out and he yeah. and phil takes him to the hospital one of the things i love about the film is that it, the the subtle ways in which it tells you the amount of time that phil has spent in this time loop mm. and like people online have speculated that it could be like 30 or 40 years in total of repeating the same day.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, Because with the old man, the homeless man, Mm. it comes to a point where um, he's taking him to a hospital and the man's being treated in a hospital bed and Phil um, needs to go in to to check on the man. Mm. And he sort of pushes his way into a restricted area of the hospital and the nurse is trying to stop him and he says you know i need to see this guy's chart and you realize oh so he's he must have spent quite a lot of time learning about medical yes. science and <laughs> yeah. he's trained in fact he's trained to become a doctor he yeah. understands the charts yes and he also has learnt that this is how this is the way to get into the back of the hospital mm. is to say certain things so that the nurses know that what he's talking about and there's loads of moments like that
0: yeah and the fact he he has time to learn to play the piano brilliantly well <laughs> and i can't remember what else but he does all sorts of amazing things to improve himself as a human being he does a lifetime of things he, he
1: becomes an expert in ice sculpting <laughs> yes <laughs> all you know he also is trying to impress andy mcdowell mm. because he's in love with her mm. and he kind of falls in love with her more and more mm. uh, as he repeats the day as he learns more about her.
0: That's another thing. Of course, he talks to her and finds out about her. So she is part of his circle of relationships. And, you know, he's realising that relationships are important and that you have to put time into them.
1: Yeah, he becomes more and more humane as he. he, he you realise that he has spent time with almost everyone in the town. Yes. And yes. he knows they're yeah. all, all of their stories yeah. and finding out Finding about, out about everyone's subjective experience and personal lives gives him more humanity because he, exactly the circle of relations. Circle of relationships. The circle of relationships yes he he has kind of expanded his circle of relationships or consolidated all those
0: rings and he we all know people who when you meet them they're not interested in talking to you they're not interested in asking questions about you or finding out about you all they want to do is tell you about themselves there are so many people like that and that you know they're kind of draining to be with you know you you want someone who is interested in what you think about things asks you questions not necessarily about yourself but about you know what you think about things, or where you've been, or how you've lived your life—those sort of people are much nicer to be with than people who just want to say, "Oh well, you know, I did this and I did that, and I've got this much money, and blah blah." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, it improves people's lives, you know, because you're bringing, you're making, taking an interest in people, and that makes people feel happier about themselves.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Um, but of course, earlier on. It takes him a while to realize that and he starts off by just trying to impress her doesn't he uh, and and t- show her how wonderful he is instead of finding out about her and it's when he starts to really take an interest in her as a person, not just someone to get into bed that uh, everything starts to work out for him yes and of course at the, going back to the dichotomy of control, the really big thing is of course when he he first realizes what's happening, he tries to escape. and he just can't he does all sorts of things to try and get out of the place and it's impossible and it takes him ages to realize there's no point in me doing this i can't get out i've just got to deal with things the way they are and make the most of what they are and you know control the things i can control
1: the thing about the uh the groundhog um so yeah the, the, the like again one of the nice things about the film is that it all takes place in this very small town.
0: Punxsutawney.
1: Punxsutawney.
0: Which actually, I mean, it is a place. And the, and the Groundhog Day is a thing. They do it every year on the 2nd of February.
1: It's just one of those American small towns where yeah. there's like a, the coffee shop diner and everyone knows each other and stuff like that. And Phil, who is, I guess, more of a sort of metropolitan mm. type person who, who probably thinks he's better than than this small town. Mm. He's above it all. Yeah, he gets stuck there and and um, it's quite funny seeing the clash of mm. sort of cultures in, to an extent. Uh, but the thing about the groundhog is, so the tradition, and it, it's a real tradition, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I think yeah, the tradition is that, so on Groundhog Day, which is the 2nd of February every year in this town, they have this funny tradition, which is where the groundhog comes out of his hole.
0: Yes, except it's not a hole, it's a cage because they keep him, you know, he's... One that they keep specially,
1: yeah. He's a caged animal. <laughs> the poor thing.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know it's weird in a in a way because Phil the, the the Phil is the name of the the groundhog as well, isn't it? Isn't the groundhog also called Phil? Punxsutawney Phil. Yes, that's right. Punxsutawney Phil. Yeah. So this is interesting because on one because, ha- uh, Phil played by Bill Murray is in a way like the groundhog. <laughs> yes. Um, stuck in a cage. You know, predicting the weather. Mm. But anyway,
0: that's very clever. I hadn't uh, made that connection.
1: So, Punxsutawney Phil, the groundhog, yes, he he's every second of February, he's allowed out of a hole, and the the tradition goes that if he turns around and looks at his shadow, it means they're going to have like another month of winter. Yeah, or it's 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 predicting when spring is going to arrive, and. It's, I mean, it's a ridiculous,
0: totally. it's a ridiculous sight.
1: <laughs> it is completely stupid. It's quite cute, but it's mm. totally stupid. But yeah, uh, at one point, Phil kidnaps the the groundhog. Mm. Yeah, the, what, there's a period where he fights against the, his situation. Yeah. And he's, he does things like um, tries to commit suicide in various ways. Oh,
0: yes. That's after he's tried to escape and realises he can't. And then he thinks, well, I'll just kill myself.
1: And the most dramatic way he does it is he he, <laughs> he kidnaps Punks to only fill the Groundhog, and like the all of the town are chasing after him, mm. including the the mayor of the town and stuff. And there's a car chase, and he drives to a sort of uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Like a, um what are those places where they're digging stones out of the quarry. ground? A quarry. He drives through a big quarry, and then drives. With him and the groundhog in the car just drives dramatically off a cliff. And the, 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 the cameraman from the weather station and Andy McDowell, who's like his, um, his producer PA, or something, yeah. his PA, they, they watch him fly over the cliff mm. and land on the floor. He lands on the roof of the, the roof of the car lands on the ground mm. and one of them goes well he, he might have survived <laughs> and then boom the car explodes in a huge ball of fire he's <laughs> like i can't remember the next line but it's like yeah. it's like, no i don't think so <laughs> <Yeah>. never mind <laughs> <laughs>
0: um
1: yeah it also reminds me of of um uh, charles dickens um a christmas yeah, carol
0: definitely which
1: which is another funny thing because uh bill murray also was in a film adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Mm. It's called Scrooged. That's right. And he plays the part of a sort of mean, heartless businessman. Yes. Who goes through, who has a sort of weird supernatural experience. And that kind of um, teaches him various life lessons. And he emerges on the other side, a much more humane uh, uh, character. The differences, of
0: course. That the Scrooge story relies on supernatural interference, whereas stoicism, you know, it, it's coming from you. It's all down to you. It's in your control. No, no supernatural interference or anything to do with anything supernatural. It's you know, it's similar. It, it goes along with humanism, I think, because humanism is about. Uh, you know, it doesn't rely. It doesn't believe in life after death. It doesn't believe in God. It doesn't believe in extra terrestrial interference in the world. It's all about the world and what happens in the world.
1: Yes, and and that there's no second chance. Yeah, but what counts? What counts is people's experience now
0: and learning from one's experience and becoming a better person, hopefully. Yeah. And you know you have to apply as I said the three the three virtues are wisdom justice courage and moderation you have to apply all of those to every That's four isn't it what did i say F- three <laughs> um
1: five let's let's change it to five wisdom courage justice moderation and maths <laughs>
0: I never was any good at maths.
1: <laughs> the five stoic virtues.
0: <laughs> it's a bit like uh, Mon- Monty Python coming in, the French the Spanish Inquisition.
1: <laughs> yeah. Four, four, our four main principles are wisdom, courage, uh, no, our three, three, I'll, I'll come in again. <laughs> our three main principles.
0: Oh, God. Anyway, there are four, wisdom, justice, courage, and moderation. You have to apply all those to every situation. I mean it's this this is the ideal, of course, not many people can live up to it, but it's it's worth trying if you try it helps
1: do you do you always manage to apply these things successfully to to your days?
0: No, of course not, but uh, it's the trying that matters sometimes it works you have to it's like bill you know Bill Murray in the film sometimes it doesn't work, and you have to go back and start again.
1: yes, absolutely. Uh, what about lockdown then I mean, should we try and Apply this to living in the pan- during the pandemic.
0: Well, of course, the big one is the dichotomy of control. You always come back to that one. We can't affect the fact that there is a pandemic and that the, there's a virus out there that's doing all sorts of untold unto- things. We can't do anything at all about that, so we may as well forget about that <laughs> as far as as far as doing anything to um, stop it. But what we can do is play by the rules, do as we're told. Stay at home, you know, do all the right things, uh, get a vaccine. That's what we can do.
1: Wear your mask, wash your hands. Exactly. Ultimately, it's about focusing on yourself and remembering to, yeah, to wear your mask and wash your hands and do the little things that we individually have to do as part of a much greater, you know, scheme of things. Mm.
0: And if everybody did that, it would all get a lot better much quicker if everyone follows the rules and is sensible
1: there is another thing that that comes into this of course which is like the uh, the the question of trust mm. and when you're in a society like trusting the people who are who are setting and defining the rules exactly so there's plenty of people out there who as far as they're concerned are doing the right things when they don't wear a mask and all that stuff.
0: Well, you know, the worst thing for trust in this country was Domin- that Dominic Cummings business of him driving to the other end of the country when we were just after, you know, at the very beginning when we were all in severe lockdown. But he was telling everybody that we had to stay at home and do whatever. And he took no notice and just did his own thing. Well, that and then the the prime minister refusing to criticise him or sack him or whatever for that that was the worst possible thing that they could have done to destroy the trust of the people in the government it was just appalling
1: yeah because it's basically they say one thing and they do something yeah. else and so Don't
0: do as I do do as I say
1: yeah well th- this yeah we shouldn't get into the politics of it too much uh, maybe that's
0: was- <laughs> no because because I can't do anything about it so I should just... Shut up. Do you really think that you really think that we can't do anything about it? Can't
1: we vote? Can't we can't we campaign? Can't we uh do you think that like going on Twitter and sharing your opinions and arguing with people on social media or even going out and campaigning if it's possible? Is there really nothing that that we can do? I mean, how, how do we define what we can and what we can't do? Well,
0: quite. I don't know. I mean, I do all those things to try and affect things. I campaign for my party. I criticize people on Twitter, you know, trouble is everybody on my Twitter feed seems uh, believes the same as me. So I'm not influencing anybody by what I say. You're
1: in an echo chamber.
0: And also, of course, one fe- one feels totally helpless because our government has a huge majority and there's no way we're going to be able to do anything to get them out of power for four years or so. And also the most depressing thing is that they have no accountability. When, when they do things that are Obviously wrong and they tell lies and that sort of thing. There is no accountability. No, nobody, it doesn't seem possible to punish them or remove them for all the wrong things they've done. So one does feel helpless. And you know, one says, well, I'll, you know, we'll just do what we can for now. And when it comes closer to the, um, election, when we might be able to affect something, then, then we'll get into action. <laughs> but when it's
1: when it comes to a case of getting so frustrated mm. and getting upset about yeah. it and and you know getting really um, depressed about it mm. that's when you need to get philosophical yeah, about it yeah it is and, and remember that, those stoic virtues yeah it is so and it doesn't it, sorry it doesn't mean like stoicism the the uh, dichotomy of control um and accepting things you can't change that doesn't mean that people should be passive no that's not what it means really it just means that there is a, there is a, there is a limit to what you can do there and sometimes is. it's sometimes it's a healthy thing to remember yeah. that um you know you, you know to hold your hands up and go right i've done what i can and it's it's now out of my control.
0: Yes. So, you know, I've been through periods where I've watched the news and just get more and more distressed and dip, depressed and angry about what's happening. And then you suddenly realize, well, I can't do anything to affect it at the moment. So, I'll just stop that and and just try and do my own bit to make my own bit of the world okay.
1: Yeah, because we don't need, you know, none of us need and want to have you all depressed and (laughs) angry, you know, like in terms of making the world a better place. It's like what we said before. Which one was this? Um, Which which virtue?
0: Oikiosis, I think. Oikiosis, yeah. Look after yourself.
1: We don't want you in bed with oikiosis.
0: (laughs) No, no. Oikiosis is a good thing. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. All
1: right. So, yeah, we'll try and, you know. Yeah. So, oikiosis is a good thing. So, yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah. in terms of having an influence on the world yeah like yeah. being happy and and well, and uh,
0: you don't necessarily have to be happy and cheerful all the time but you can be i mean like uh not you know
1: letting your not letting your anger get the better yeah, of you and, right. and, and uh, accepting things yeah. um that that is actually a positive move yes we're, we're repeating ourselves now we've been probably through this already. yes yeah we could keep going on for we ages could. but it's been really nice to talk to you mum
0: nice to talk to you too
1: this has been lovely. Thanks so yes. much for talking to me and okay. my audience.
0: Well, I hope I've made, I mean, as I say, I don't, you know, I'm by no means an expert, but it's just an interesting subject that I'm interested in and it has helped me. Yes. So I'm sure it might, it would help other people to have a go at it.
1: We'll be very curious to see uh, what some listeners um, yeah. write in the comments section. Yeah. Listeners, if you, does this make sense to you? Are these principles that you've come to yourselves in any way do you know about Stoicism? Have you read about it? Have you seen the film Groundhog Day? What did you think of it? What is Groundhog Day called in your country? Um, leave us your comments um, in the comments section. That would be a very that would be very interesting. Uh, but Mum, I'll say goodbye now. Yeah, Thank okay. you so much, and speak to you soon.
0: Yeah. Okay. Lovely to see you.
1: You too. All bye. Right. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Bye bye. So that was my mum, Jill Thompson, talking to me, talking to us about being philosophical, the principles of stoicism, the film Groundhog Day starring Bill Murray and generally the subject of how to look after your mental health in the face of this global pandemic and indeed other challenges that life throws in our direction. Thanks again to Mum for her contribution to this episode. Naturally, we are curious to know what you thought of this episode. As I said before, feel free to express yourself in English and share some of your thoughts in the comments section for this episode on my website or on YouTube if you're listening there. Now, I hope you didn't find this to be at all preachy. Preachy, that's when you're kind of telling people what to do, telling people how to live their lives, telling people... What to think or how to behave. That's being preachy. You should do this and everyone needs to do that. So I hope you didn't find this to be preachy as if we were dictating to people how they should live their lives. That wasn't the idea. Of course, everyone follows their own approach to dealing with life's challenges. We don't necessarily think stoicism is the answer to everything. It's not the be all and end all, but it's just something that can be a bit helpful in giving you some perspective on life especially when things get tricky for whatever reason. Um, Mum did want me to mention a website that you can visit to find out more about Stoicism and perhaps get better explanations than the ones we gave here, because as we said, we're not experts in the subject. So the website that my mum uh, suggested that you check out is modernstoicism.com okay, modernstoicism.com. I'm actually going to mention a few different links and things. You'll find these all listed on the page for this episode on my website. So the first one is modernstoicism.com, which is a website that uh, she often uses when sort of reading about stoicism and stuff. Uh, A summary of that website is this. So Modern Stoicism is a collaboration between academics and psychotherapists. Founded in 2012, they offer free online courses based on ideas and practices drawn from the ancient philosophy of Stoicism, and they conduct research into the effectiveness of ancient Stoic practices. So, these are people who really know what they're talking about. And in fact, I especially recommend reading an article on that website about Stoicism and the film Groundhog Day. This is the article which actually inspired us to do this episode. My mum read it um, and then shared it with me. The article was written by Tim Lebon, a member of the Modern Stoicism academic team, and it was published on Groundhog Day this year, the 2nd of February 2021. So the article is called The Stoicism of Groundhog Day, in fact, I think my mum read that on the, the Modern Stoicism website, and that's what, um, I guess, inspired her to choose to watch Groundhog Day. I don't know if, if my parents had seen the film before. It's possible because, um, you know, it's often on TV and stuff but that's certainly why they chose to watch it. So so my mum read the article, found it really interesting, and then said to my dad, let's watch Groundhog Day this evening. And apparently they both sat in front of the telly and watched it on DVD and really enjoyed it. And then that's kind of how we ended up, my mum and me, how we ended up kind of choosing to talk about this because we thought it could be interesting. So um, modernstoicism.com, especially the Stoicism of Groundhog Day. You'll find the link for that as well in the show notes and on the page for this episode on my website. Here are some other things that you'll find listed on the website. So um, there's a video of Darren Brown I often end up talking about Darren Brown. I think he's just a really interesting person. You heard me mention Darren Brown in my recent conversation with Kate Billington. We described him as a hypnotist, but actually, he's kind of more than that. He does hypnotism on stage and he does these entertaining shows which involve sort of mind magic, hypnotism, and other things of that nature. Uh, but Darren Brown is also a writer, he's written several books. Um, he started writing about, you know, the hypnotism and, and those sorts of things, and then more recently he wrote a book which is called Happy, and it's all about, well, it's all about understanding happiness in our lives, how to achieve it, how to manage it, what it is, and other things. And I think the book is based on many of the principles of Stoicism. In fact, he he says that specifically. He he specifically uh, cites the Stoics and their principles and the things they said um, in chapters of the book. And Darren Brown was interviewed on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. I don't know if you're aware of the Joe Rogan Experience. Many of you will know about this podcast because it is one of the most famous podcasts in the world. So Darren Brown was on the Joe Rogan Experience and uh, he talked about happiness and stoicism, including some things about the limits of stoicism and things that that stoicism doesn't quite cover like the role of anxiety in personal development, because the stoic model seems to be about ways of getting anxiety out of your life or, you know, minimizing your anxiety. But as Darren Brown says, recognizing your anxiety can actually be important as a way of growing beyond challenges that you might experience. Anxiety does actually have a, a sort of important role to play, as long as we can keep it in check. So anyway, I thought you might find the, uh, the, uh, the video interesting um, and, you know, because it's Darren Brown talking about stoicism, but also because he adds things to the to the conversation that we didn't mention um, in this episode. Uh, Also on the page uh, for the episode on the website, you'll see some video clips from the film Groundhog Day, including the touching scenes we mentioned in which Bill Murray's character attempts to save the life of a homeless man he meets, plus some other more light-hearted and humorous moments from the film. So there you go. I hope that you found all of that interesting. And if any of it is useful for you in terms of your, your learning of English, but also in terms of just feeling a bit better about the world, then that would be great, okay? So let me just have a little ramble here before the end of the episode. So, yeah, as I said, I'm working on Premium 29. That should be published soon. Uh, also, uh, recently on my YouTube channel, and subscribe YouTube, chip 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 chip. What? What happened to my words? I don't know. YouTube uh, subscribers may have noticed that recently um, on the channel, I posted a clip of me performing stand-up comedy on stage in London. It's like a four-minute clip of me on stage in front of an audience. So if you want to get a sense of what I'm like on stage when I'm doing my stand-up comedy, then you can see the clip on my YouTube channel. It's called Luke Thompson Stand-Up Comedy. Uh, the clip is from a full 28-minute stand-up set I did at the Comedy Store in London a couple of years ago before COVID came along and prevented me and everyone else from doing stand-up because obviously we can't do it anymore. Well, it's n- not at the moment anyway because the, all the comedy venues and comedy shows are all you know, not allowed. So, I mean, personally, I haven't been on stage doing comedy for at least a year. Anyway, so yes, the the, the four-minute stand-up clip is from a, a full 28-minute performance I did at the Comedy Store in London a couple of years ago before COVID. And if you'd like to see the full 28-minute performance, then, well, you will need to sign up to Luke's English Podcast Premium. There you go. Another little plug there for the premium content. Uh, because the the comedy show is one of the things I included in the premium subscription. It's P number 26, actually. So again, if you want to find out about LEP Premium and sign up, just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. And forgive me for mentioning Luke's English Podcast Premium, but it is the way that, as I've said before, it's not only how I pay for my time when doing the podcast – and pay for all the other things, like the the hosting and all the other costs associated with doing it. But also, it's how I do things like pay the rent and, you know, pay, put money, put food on the table. Do I put money on the table? Pff, there you go, there's money, saying to my daughter. She's like my daughter, I'm hungry, I need food. Pff, there you go, there's some money, go and buy your own food. No, I don't put money on the table, I put food on the table and stuff. Anyway, right. So, you you know, you'll forgive me for promoting my own premium subscription on my own podcast I hope um, so yes in any case I will probably be uploading to YouTube a few other little clips of me doing stand-up like things I've recorded over the years and I'm and I'm now finally uh, publishing um, just a note about that. People sometimes ask me to upload more stand-up comedy clips. People write, you know, messages to me wherever, and they're like, "Oh, why don't you do? You know, why don't you post all of your stand-up performances online, or why don't you live stream your comedy shows and things?" Well, that's not something I can always do. Usually, because I keep my stand-up for the stage. Right? All stand-up comedians have material. These are the things they say on stage. It might look like it's all improvised and just someone talking but a lot of the time that stuff is written in advance and practiced and developed we call that stuff material as I have said on the podcast before I repeat myself a lot probably on this podcast but after 709 episodes I'm bound to repeat myself sometimes anyway all comedians have their material and material is quite um, precious to us you see and the thing is that um, if I publish all my material onto YouTube then I would have I would probably have to stop performing that material on stage because there's a chance that the audience might have seen it already. You know, if the audience have seen all your clips on, st- on on video and then they come and see you and you're doing the same things, that's not normally as satisfying for the audience. And so you can't really do comedy material that the audience already knows. It would be a bit like a magician doing the same trick to you again and again. So I've always held on to my stand-up material and avoided publishing it. But since I don't know when I'll be able to perform comedy on stage, I thought that I could finally share some of these clips online. And then it would maybe force me to come up with some new stuff when the comedy shows return, whenever that is. But anyway, in the meantime, I thought, well, there's no point in just holding on to it. I might as well publish it and let people see it, even if it means I can't do it on stage anymore. We will see. But um, yeah, so I'll be uploading more little comedy clips on YouTube in the future. Subscribe to my YouTube channel if you'd like to get notifications whenever I upload something. And don't forget to smash that like button, of course, okay, guys? And uh, click the bell icon. You know, all the things that all YouTubers ask you to do. Subscribe, like, leave a comment, and tap the bell icon so that you improve the, the, the visibility of my... Um, videos on YouTube and also so that you don't miss new uploads. Um, I've got quite a lot of episodes in the pipeline at the moment. I seem to have done loads of interviews and recordings in the last few weeks, so I've got lots of interviews backed up and lots of other episodes sort of in the pipeline, as I said. Um, I've got quite a big backlog of episodes to work on, and publish. I'll try not to publish them all too quickly. I'll try to give you enough time between each upload in order to give you a chance to keep up with all the content. But anyway, more interviews with guests will arrive in due course. Quite a lot of people have asked me in the last few days what I think of the Meghan and Harry situation. So that's Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. They recently did a big interview with Oprah Winfrey uh, on CBS in America, and they talked all about things like how they've been treated uh, by the royal family and the staff at Buckingham Palace, and how it affected their mental health. Accusations of racism in the royal family and other controversial stuff. There are various opinions on this um, on this subject. Uh, the opinions on either side. It seems that people think that either Meghan and Harry are in the wrong, or that the palace is in the wrong. And that this is a huge indictment of the royal family and how are they, you know, how they're going to deal with it. So Meghan and Harry are wrong or the palace are wrong or the palace are wrong and Meghan and Harry are in the right. You know, like very divided opinions on this. And then then there's a third position, I think, on this, which is that, well, in the scheme of things, it's, it's not that important. And it feels a bit like celebrity gossip. And in fact, there are more important things that we should be spending our time and attention on at this time. And that there are more pressing and important matters in the world. So, you know, these three positions. People have wondered if I could talk to my mum or dad about it. I might do that if if they fancy it. Uh, but I can say that my wife is mildly obsessed with the topic and with the whole Meghan and Harry situation. So a conversation with her on the podcast is more likely. I have to say that although my mum and dad recognise the significance of it, especially the claims against the royal family and what that could mean and how, you know, um, and, and all that stuff, although they do recognise the importance of it, I think that they're a little bit kind of fed up with it. I mean, they they fall into that third category. Uh, they feel that there are more important things to talk about at this time. So maybe they're not the people to talk to. Although of course, if I did speak to them, I'm sure they would be willing to talk and, and, and actually um, give us their thoughts and all that stuff. But the chances are I'll probably be talking to my wife about it because as you heard, when when was it? December. The two of us did an episode about the crown and the Royal family. And you know we talk about that stuff quite a lot and so it would probably be much easier and more likely for the two of us to to record something for the podcast uh, but we will see okay in any case i hope you've been enjoying my recent content and that it's been helping you with your english more and more i am convinced that doing all this regular listening practice is very good for your english i mean i was always convinced of that but it's just the messages i get from listeners the emails from listeners um, with testimonies uh, about their English and how the podcast has helped. I don't know if people aren't just trying to flatter me. I think that they genuinely want to give me their thoughts after having listened to my content for a long time. So normally it's kind of like this, you know, this is the first time I'm emailing you, Luke, and it's. I feel like it's a long time coming because I've been listening to your content for, you know, blah, 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 years or blah, blah, months, and it's really helped me. And look at my IELTS scores, you know, people tell me about their IELTS scores and other English reports, and... More generally, they tell me about how they can feel a definite improvement in their English. Now, of course, I don't get emails from people who say, I've listened to you for a year and nothing, my English has not improved one iota. In fact, I feel it's got worse. Now, I don't get emails like that from people, maybe because people are just nice and they don't want to tell me (laughs) their stories of failure. Or, or maybe there just aren't that many people out there. Maybe, you know, who would have thought listening to this regularly could have a positive impact on your English? maybe that's the reason i don't get the negative things now this all right i've just mentioned oh i don't get many negative comments that is not a green light for you to just send me all of the criticisms and all the the all the your stories of failure and how frustrated you get when listening to me repeat myself sometimes all right fine or or that's also not a green light for you to to, um give me a like a two-sentence review in which you just say that you can't stand it when I sing and that when I sing your ears start to bleed or whatever? No. I mean, you know, I'm not not inviting you to do that. You can do whatever you want. Anyway, what I'm trying to say, I got completely sidetracked by myself. What I'm trying to say is that, well, keep it up, right, listeners? Okay? Because you will find that long-term it can only be helpful and healthy for your English. If you want a faster track to broadening your vocab and working on your language in various ways, then you could consider Luke's English Podcast Premium. But at the, you know, at the very least, listening to the podcast regularly, I think can only be good for your English. All right. But I mean, only you can decide that one, really. Only you can decide. But I think that it's probably helpful in the grand scheme of things. So I would say keep up your listening, keep going. It's a marathon, not a sprint which means, you know, long-term practice is what we're looking at here. Regular practice is important and I hope that my content makes all of that easier and more enjoyable for you. That's it for this episode then. I will speak to you in the next one whenever that arrives. And no song, there's no song at the end of this episode, okay? I haven't sung on the podcast for a little while, but I keep practicing the guitar. I'm just waiting for the appropriate moment to sing on the podcast again. And now is not that moment, but uh, maybe I did. Okay. I did get an email and I'm sorry. The email, you know, I've said this before. Emails come into my inbox quite quickly. It's just normal. Everyone's inboxes like that and they all go in. And sometimes I read messages and then I kind of lose them and I find it hard to find them again. But one person emailed me. She's, she studied music. Um, and she told me that she thought my my singing was good. So there you go, right? The conclusive proof that I can sing. <laughs> but no, she did, and this, she's not the only one. Um, I have had messages from people saying, could you do more singing on the podcast? I don't want to do more. Well, I don't want to, like, overload it, o- overload the podcast with my singing, or at least... I still am a bit uncomfortable about doing that. I do it at the end of episodes just to give people the option not to listen to if if they don't want to. But I have been thinking maybe I could do one episode where I just explore maybe like a couple of songs and look at the lyrics in particular and kind of analyse some lyrics and then maybe sing my my own versions of those songs. So that's an idea, another idea. I've got, you know, there's no end of ideas. There's, There's always ideas. Okay, I'll stop talking now. Thank you very much for listening. I'll speak to you again soon. But now, all that remains to be said is goodbye, bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.